christian patience by william bernard ullathorne preface this volume completes the series originally contemplated the author's object has been to explain and inculcate those fundamental principles of the christian virtues which from their profundity are least understood but which most contribute to the perfecting of the human soul the first volume under the title of the endowments of man establishes the doctrinal foundations of the christian virtues the second under the title of the groundwork of the christian virtues treats chiefly of christian humility as being the receptive foundation of the other virtues this third volume treats of christian patience as being the positive strength and disciplinary power of the soul the sovereign virtue of charity is explained throughout the three volumes in the production of the last volume the author has found much less assistance from the fathers of the church and the great spiritual writers than in the two previous ones as a rule they have limited their instructions to that side of the virtue which is exercised under sufferings and only a limited number of them among whom i may mention st zeno tertullian st gregory the great st bonaventure and st catherine of siena have treated of that most important side of the virtue by which it gives strength and discipline to all the mental and moral powers and perfection to all the virtues one remark is due to the reader the only solid way of explaining the virtues is by their principles and their mutual connections but to do this effectually requires that the same principles be often repeated as well to fix them in the mind as to show their connection with the practical details and to give to those details greater light in the preface to his translation of the famous treatise of albert the great on adhering to god sir kenelm digby observes he often repeateth the same thing but still with some addition and further explication of the matter to inculcate it the deeper lecture one the work of patience in the soul part one the trial of your faith worketh patience and patience hath a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire failing in nothing st james chapter one verses three and four the perfection of the christian soul consists in that complete and exquisite charity whereby we love god above all things and our neighbour as ourselves for the love of god this love this charity that perfects the soul is the sublimest gift that we can receive from god in this our exile because god himself is charity and the life of god is charity in partaking of his charity according to our condition and capacity as st peter says we are made partakers of the divine nature two peter chapter one verse four that is by a created participation and are made the children of god for by charity god lives in us and we in him the divine gift of charity is the richest fruit of the sacrifice of our lord jesus christ 
who in most humble and patient charity gave his life to his father not only to deliver us from sin but to obtain for us the supernatural life of charity this life is the work of the holy spirit of god dwelling in us abiding in us operating in us uniting our life with the life of god and raising our will into a holy cooperation with the unspeakable movements of his divinely given love if any one loveth me saith our lord he will keep my commandments and my father will love him and we will come to him and will make our abode with him st john chapter fourteen verse twenty three the love of charity is the greatest thing that we can give to god because it originates with him and is moved by the action of his holy spirit with it we freely give ourselves to god and through its means we return all to him that he has given to us the love of god is our spiritual life it makes the will good the affections good the soul good and the work of the soul good st paul calls charity the bond of perfection it unites us with god unites us within ourselves unites us with all spirits that love god and with all things whatever that god loves it is the old commandment the new commandment the greatest commandment the comprehension of all the commandments the life of all the virtues the fulfilment of the whole law of god hence all the other commandments and all the other virtues by which the will of god is fulfilled look to the love of god are perfected by the love of god and have their end in the love of god for charity brings them all to god faith is the steadfast and unfailing light that guides the soul to the love of god its divine truths are the reasons of that love and they shine into the believing soul from the light of the eternal word incarnate and flow from the teaching of his church hope wings our aspirations towards the eternal good which is promised to our love humility subjects our nature in the consciousness of its great needs to god that we may be the subjects of his love charity makes us like to god by the flame of living life-giving love upon which we ascend in will and desire to him whose nature is love and whose love is his unspeakable goodness whatever affection is sinful or dishonouring to god and to the soul is unworthy of the sacred name of love because it is the enemy of charity its true name is cupidity which is vile or self-loving pride which is a base perversion of our nature these are affections that move against the light of faith and the very reason of things and are hostile to the sovereign laws of love but the charity of god makes the soul chaste beautiful and wise whilst she reaches towards god with the arms of love through the very heart of grace countless considerations of god's goodness mercy and compassion may join with the emanations of his charity to move our hearts to love him but when we have once entered into his goodness and mercy have felt his love 
and tasted his sweetness we love him for his own most pure and perfect excellence and pass from sense to spirit from self to god and from thinking of him to adoring him who lives for ever and ever this is the infancy of beatitude the first dawn of the principle of the glory to come the beginning of heaven amidst the dreary obscurations and desolate confusion of this blind world in the most holy trinity charity is the principle of the divine unity and the substantial energy of the divine life yet who can form any true conception of that uncreated charity in this life we can only know it by the sense we have in our spirit of the resemblance of the gift of charity to the divine giver in the holy scriptures it is compared to a fire but to a fire that is living life-giving and unconsuming in daniel's vision of the ancient of days the throne on which he sat is like flames of fire and the wheels of it like a burning fire in ezekiel's vision he is seated upon glowing cherubs moving on fiery wheels to represent the unceasing action of his charity towards his intelligent creatures the prophet daniel beheld a swift stream of fire that issued forth before him thousands of thousands ministered to him and ten thousand times a hundred thousand stood before him daniel chapter seven verses nine and ten when st john beheld the glorious vision of the son of god his eyes were as a flame of fire apocalypse chapter one verse fourteen the seraphs though spirits nearest the throne of god are as their name signifies spirits of fire that is of love our divine lord declared that he came to cast fire on earth and promised that his disciples should be baptized with fire that is with the burning ardour of charity accordingly the holy spirit came down upon the apostles from heaven in tongues of fire thus outwardly expressing the interior ardour of charity that enkindled their hearts with the unconquerable love of god and of souls that fire consumed the infirmities of their nature and gave them strength to conquer in the power of god hence the prayer of the loving soul send forth the fire of thy charity from charity god created all things and for the sake of charity he moves all that he has created he made the material world for the probation of souls that in preferring their creator to the things created they might prove themselves worthy of his love and of receiving the rewards of love for souls are made for the high and noble prerogative of receiving and returning the love of god the saving providence of god moves through his creatures from the bosom of his charity his mercies which are above all his works are the tender yearnings of his charity he endures the evils of sin and ingratitude with the patience of his charity waiting as a merciful father the return of his children from evil to the good that he holds in readiness for their repentance 
woe then to that false science which puts matter before spirit sense before conscience darkness before light and the creature before god and professes to find the cause of light and love those sublimest gifts of the eternal charity of god in the lowest and least spiritual elements of his creation it is an awful proof of the extent to which cultivated intellects lost to charity can be gained to pride and of the utter perversion of that light of intelligence which their minds have received from god the fool said in his heart there is no god psalm thirteen verse one the wise man exclaims without the charity of god we are nothing not only is the charity of god all-embracing but it is most abundantly communicative the bosom of our heavenly father is open to all his children made in his divine image to hear their sighs to receive their desires to accept their prayers to relieve their wants to deliver them from evil to rescue them from misery then does he cheer them with light and enkindle their souls with love he asks but their good will and to their good will he gives all that they are capable of receiving to the souls that love him and seek his presence he sends down from his high heavens perpetual streams of light and grace to draw them who are sanctified in the blood of his son more closely to his love to perfect their charity in your love you must also of necessity love that charity by which you love god because it is the most beautiful and inspiring of the gifts of god what can be so beautiful what so enlarging what so delightful as that all-embracing charity which descends like fire from god unites us in life with god with all his good angels and saints and with all pious souls on earth in one sacred and living bond of union and communion of good every one who is brought out of the dark region of sin into the divine circle of universal charity is not only made beautiful in his soul by the love of god but that soul partakes in her degree in all the charity with which she is in communion be the possessors of that charity in heaven on earth or in the region of purification for we share in the charity of all whom we love and who love us in god and true charity loves all that god loves what a sublime view does charity open into the communion of saints nor does charity rest contented within this immense circle of spiritual life but as the god of all charity is merciful patient and bountiful even to those who love him not and is always ready to pardon their sins and to give them his unspeakable love even so works the charity of god imparted to christian souls that charity imitates his goodness his patience his benignity his bounty and is patient kind and beneficent to all love your enemies do good to them that hate you and pray for them that persecute and calumniate you that you may be the children of your father who is in heaven 
who maketh his sun to rise upon the good and the bad and reigneth upon the just and the unjust st matthew chapter five verses forty four and forty five but it is one thing to receive the divine gift of charity another to have the virtue of charity and another to have that virtue in perfection for although the gift is the principle of the virtue it is not the actual virtue not that which makes charity our own it can only become the actual virtue when the will enters into the gift acts with the gift and performs the interior and exterior works of charity for the will is the seat and power of love so that what the will desires the will loves and what the will seeks above all things the will loves above all things when therefore the will enters into the grace of charity and is clothed with it it receives a divine power exalting it above the order of nature and giving to it the supernatural flame of divine love the heart is the seat of our sensible affections but these sensible affections are purified and made spiritual when moved by the will and clothed with charity towards god the supreme object of our actions and desires and it is by the pure and perfect exercise of the will free from all mixture of what is contrary to the love of god and exercised in the perfect gift of charity that this holiest of virtues is made perfect we must also bear in mind this solemn truth that the supreme and final object of all charitable service to our neighbour is god himself for all charity moves towards god as its divine origin and final end it moves as it were in a circle from god to us and from us to god then to our neighbour and through our neighbour to god in virtue of the intention of charity we thus imitate our heavenly father's love to us and join ourselves to that love and are the ministers of his love kind patient and forbearing to all from his gift and especially when for his sake we give our help and service to those who are in affliction in poverty in ignorance or in distress this is a holy communion in which we partake in the good that we impart and receive increase of love from the love we put forth growing in the good that we communicate and gaining strength all the glory of the king's daughter is within psalm forty four verse fourteen this daughter of the king is the soul born of charity the glory of that soul is in the abiding presence of the holy spirit and in the principle and the promise of eternal glory charity is the living beauty of the soul that seeks god through all the virtues it is the sweet odour of god the living flame that breaks out of his truth establishing order purity justice goodness and wisdom in the soul it is the sacred fire placed by the holy spirit upon the altar of the heart what is all philosophy compared to charity charity is the most practical philosophy which from the heart illuminates the understanding 
because it is the noblest action of truth and reaches lovingly to the divine cause of all things but if the perfection of the soul consists in complete and exquisite charity what room is there for other perfections why does st james teach that patience hath a perfect work st james chapter one verse four why does he insist that by patience we are made perfect and entire failing in nothing st paul enforces the same doctrine where he says patience is necessary for you that doing the will of god you may obtain the promise hebrews chapter ten verse thirty six and our blessed lord gives us this solemn instruction in your patience you shall possess your souls st luke chapter twenty one verse nineteen what then is the work of patience in the soul in the first place it must be observed that charity takes hold of the other virtues animates them with her fire inspires them with her motive draws them into her service and employs them whether faith hope humility patience or whatever other virtue for her own completion and perfection in the second place such is the irritability restlessness weakness and inconstancy of the powers of our nature considered in themselves that they require the firm control of patience to conquer them and to bring them into subjection to the sovereign virtue of charity hence st paul teaches that charity is patient one corinthians chapter thirteen verse four and that it is patient charity which enables us to bear all things and to endure all things hence the fathers and great spiritual divines have concluded that the grace of patience is given with the grace of charity as well to protect it as to bring it to perfection true patience for the love of god is therefore the highest test and most evident proof of the presence of a noble degree of charity because patience is its perfecting quality making it whole and entire failing in nothing it is the surest test because it cannot be easily mistaken as it can only be obtained even with the help of grace by dint of labor self-combat and effort but we have the sensible result in the possession of oneself and in peace of soul what do we find so difficult as to keep ourselves in our own possession so that no part of our nature shall slip away from the command of the will or from the empire of charity our divine lord seldom gives his reasons for his precepts because they carry in themselves their own light but he has given us the whole reason why we need the virtue of patience when he tells us that it is by this virtue we hold the possession of our souls this vigorous virtue of patience is the spiritual remedy which god has provided against the weakness perturbation and inconstancy of our nature exposed as it is to irritations fears temptations cupidities vanities pride and sadness every creature by reason of its origin from nothingness when left to itself is exposed to division dissolution and failure 
unless it receive a divine support and a bracing strength of patience to hold it together that it may endure and persevere but in our fallen nature and especially in that part of it which is material and animal there is a darkness a baleful fire of cupidity a root of selfishness and a restlessness that war against the light and law of god in the soul darken her light dissipate and trouble her powers and draw her away from the possession of herself but the less she is in the possession of herself the less capable is the soul of ascending to god and therefore the less capable of knowing god and loving him the soul cannot possess herself when she is held in the possession of her mortal senses appetites or passions or when held in bondage to creatures that are less than herself and that trouble degrade and divide the soul and take off her mind and will from what is greater and better than herself nor can the soul possess herself within herself because she is made for god and without god for the chief object of her mind and affections she is poor disturbed and discontented she can only possess herself in god through charity and patience in love adhering to god in patience persevering in that adherence despite of all the perturbations and fears of her inferior nature then will the soul find her powers united and in possession of her will by reason of her union with god but this will only be in proportion to her patience hence st john climacus observed that to the spiritual man patience is more essential than food and justly so for food strengthens the body and preserves it from weakness but patience fortifies the soul and without it no virtue can be firm and solid but as we are bound to take more care of the soul than of the body it is evident that we ought to be more solicitous for patience than for food for in the words of st peter damian the man whose patience breaks down may have other virtues but he will never have their strength and solidity patience is concerned in all that we have to resist in all that we have to deny ourselves in all that we have to endure in all that we have to adhere to and in all that we have to do this includes all human acts that bear the character of duty or devotedness whether those acts be purely interior or come forth into the exterior life and conduct for wherever patience fails the act is weak and the work imperfect this comprehensive view of the work of patience in man is enlarged upon by that profound thinker tertullian in the following terms patience protects the whole will of god in man and enters into all his commandments it fortifies faith governs peace helps charity prepares humility conducts to penance leads to confession rules the flesh preserves the spirit bridles the tongue controls the hand breaks down temptations expels scandals and consummates martyrdom it consoles the poor man moderates the wealthy man 
suffers not the infirm man to sink under his weakness and allows not the strong man to consume his strength it delights the believer attracts the unbeliever adorns the woman and makes the man approved it is loved in the youth praised in the mature man and is looked up to in the aged man patience is beautiful in both sexes and at every age the features of the patient one are calm and pleasant the brow is pure because free from the signs of sadness and of irritation the eyes are peaceful the mouth is sealed with discretion yet next to the virtue of humility there is no christian virtue that stands more in need of careful exposition than the virtue of patience although well known in a popular way and on the surface as it is opposed to anger and as our sustainer under sufferings it is but little understood as a fundamental virtue of the soul and that only by those truly spiritual persons who are well exercised in interior self-discipline of which this virtue is the basis it is therefore of great importance that we should be instructed in its ways and in the methods by which it is obtained so intimate is the connection between patience and humility that neither of these virtues can make much progress without the other nor can charity advance towards its perfection without their aid the seraphic saint francis so deeply founded in these two virtues was wont to exclaim hail humility with thy sister patience what humility begins patience consolidates humility purifies the soul patience fortifies the will humility subjects the soul to god patience rests the soul on god humility makes the soul simple and sincere patience makes her firm and constant humility keeps the soul in her just and true position patience protects her in the peaceful possession of that position it is not therefore humility alone or patience alone but humility and patience in their happy combination with charity that establish the groundwork of the christian virtues and on this secure basis we are able to work out our perfection hence st catherine of siena calls patience the pith and marrow of charity if we examine the eight beatitudes we shall find that patience is an essential constituent in every one of them if we hear the spouse of christ the loving soul declare in the canticles he hath set charity in order within me canticles chapter two verse four the order of charity is secured by patience by patience was the church of god built up by patience every holy soul is built up in his great vision of the combat throughout the ages of the church with the world st john sums up the final triumph of god's servants in these words here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus apocalypse chapter fourteen verse twelve not only does st paul teach in various places that patience is the virtue that completes and perfects charity 
but in a special prayer for his disciples he asks for them the combination of these two virtues may the lord direct your hearts in the charity of god and the patience of christ two thessalonians chapter three verse five if we contemplate the provident action of god as it moves through his creation we everywhere see the signs of his divine patience sustaining what is by nature feeble upholding what left to itself must fall enduring evil and disorder for the sake of final good providing for all things according to their needs and conducting all things to their destinies according to his eternal designs if we contemplate the ways of god in souls with what a sovereign patience he endures their wayward follies and ungrateful crimes to bring them from their evil to his good if we contemplate those souls themselves or look carefully into our own our experience of the weakness and inconstancy of our nature will teach us how greatly we stand in need of the gift and virtue of patience this truth has been so admirably expressed by a holy bishop and martyr of the third century that we here give his words saint zeno says whilst we seek the blessed life with the earnest sighs of our nature and look for it through the various virtues they are all brought to their rest through patience without patience nothing can be conceived by the mind nothing can be understood nothing can be taught for all things look to patience neither faith nor hope neither justice nor humility neither chastity nor honesty nor concord nor charity nor any act of virtue nor even the elements of nature are able to hold together or keep their consistency without the nerve restraint and discipline of patience patience is always mature it is humble prudent cautious provident and contented under every necessity that arises tranquil in the day of clouds and amidst the tempests of provocation it allows nothing to disturb the serenity of the soul the patient man knows of neither alteration nor regret who can say that he ever suffers loss whatever he has to endure you will find him as complete at the end of his sufferings as though he had suffered nothing how can we calculate the results of his patience when he seems to have undergone defeat we find he has got the victory no force no violence can drive patience from its position neither labor nor hunger nor nakedness nor persecution nor fear nor danger can move patience from its resolution no power no torments no death come it in whatever shape no ambition no enjoyment of felicity can shake the constancy of patience robustly balanced in a certain elevated and divine temperance that calms the soul into peaceful moderation patience abides immovable and to enable it to master all difficulties its first conquest is over the soul herself the virtues cannot be virtues nor can the state of the elements be lasting 
nor can they flow in their well-known connection through their solemn circles unless patience like a solicitous mother be the keeper of things and the regulator of their changes it is an obvious truth that what is weak by nature or constitution and liable to fail can only be made strong by the infusion of strength or by adhering to what is strong and unchangeable but moral strength that which makes the soul strong whether in action or endurance is patience let us examine these principles by the light of the inspired psalmist when surrounded with trials oppressed and almost smothered with temptations he feels all the weakness of his nature and is troubled with disturbing fears but he breaks away from them in this fervid cry shall not my soul be subject to god for from him is my salvation for he is my god and my saviour my protector i shall be moved no more the hebrew text as the commentators observe is more forcible it indicates a silent subjection to god that neither doubts murmurs complains nor listens to temptation and the resting on god as the rock of his strength after describing his enemies rushing upon him as though he were a leaning wall and a tottering fence he thus addresses his own soul be thou o my soul subject to god for from him is my patience for he is my god and my saviour he is my helper i shall not be moved psalm sixty one verses one through seven in other psalms the royal prophet invokes the almighty as his firmament and his refuge and as the fortress of his strength and calls god his patience because from him he derives the strength of patience rests on him as the foundation of his strength and finds in him his protection in the seventieth psalm he says be thou to me o god a protector and a place of strength that thou mayest make me safe for thou art my firmament and refuge thou art my patience o lord my hope o lord from my youth psalm seventy verses three through five he thus teaches from his own interior experience as well as from his light that our patience is derived from adhering to the unchangeable strength of god and from receiving the gift of strength from his bounty rising in another psalm to that more fundamental and steadfast patience which takes the name of fortitude of which he has received the gift the sacred singer says i will sing thy fortitude and will extol thy mercy psalm fifty eight verse seventeen and in the consciousness that this noble gift is mainly given that by its force he may adhere to god he says again i will keep my fortitude to thee psalm fifty eight verse ten we are here taught by the holy spirit through the soul of david that god is our patience our fortitude and our strength provided we rest our souls on him adhere to him are subject to his strengthening influences and work with them in loyal cooperation patience is so great a gift of god observes st augustine 
that it is even ascribed to him who waits so long for the conversion of the sinner god cannot suffer yet though incapable of suffering he takes the name of patience but as he neither suffers nor is subject to impatience who can say what the patience of god is it is as incomprehensible as his zeal his anger or anything of like kind but if we consider patience as it is the enduring strength of charity that admits not the entrance of evil within the divine circle of good whilst it endures the existence of external evil for the sake of greater good then we shall approach nearer to understanding the patience of god because god is charity and charity is patient as what is weak of itself obtains strength by adhering to what is strong the weak human will obtains strength to keep the whole man in discipline by adhering to god and receiving power to repel the movements of temptation and the risings of irritation and to quiet the perturbations of the spirit come from whatever cause they may we are directed says the profound tertullian to exercise the authority of patience not from any cynical affectation of equanimity like the pagans but from the divine disposition of a celestial and life-giving discipline of which god is the example we shall better understand the divine power of patience if we consider how all moral evil has sprung in the first instance and still springs in its beginning from impatience st zeno tertullian st cyprian st augustine and several other early fathers have treated on this subject every kind of spiritual creature was first created by god in a good state and received grace to love him and to adhere to him as the supreme good of their nature this implied the grace of charity and patience charity to love patience to persevere and to endure their probation but being weak by nature owing to their origin from nothingness and having free will to choose their own acts they were exposed to the danger of neglecting their grace and of giving themselves to self-love self-will and cupidity so long as they remained with patient perseverance in the love and will of god they were sinless but so soon as they yielded their will to temptation they lost the patience by which they adhered to god to his love and to his will becoming impatient of the good they possessed through the curiosity and desire of trying what was evil and thus with the loss of patience they became weak irritable sinful separated from god and divided within themselves it must also be remembered that according to the scriptures and the traditions both of the rabbins and the christian fathers satan and his angels fell through jealousy of the high dignity conferred on man at his creation after this explanation let us hear the words of tertullian which are repeated in substance by st cyprian and st augustine he says as patience is in god we must expect to find the first adversary of patience in the first enemy of god 
we detect the birth of impatience in satan when he could not patiently endure that god should subject all that he had created to his image in man then it was that his impatience conspired with his malice adam again would never have fallen had he stood with patience within the divine commandment he was innocent he was the friend of god he was in possession of paradise but in losing his patience he fell from the wisdom of god and ceased to be capable of divine things cast out of paradise he became a man of the earth and was easily taken hold of by impatience in things offensive to god look upon the catalogue of sins and you will find that they all begin with the loss of patience for evil is impatience of good no one is impure who is not impatient of purity or unjust who is not impatient of justice or unquiet who is not impatient of tranquillity whoever is evil is impatient of good the seed of patience as of all the virtues is in the will its office is to hold the will with firm steadfastness to what is reasonable just orderly and true and to withhold the will by refusing it to what is unreasonable unjust disorderly or false for example the patience of faith holds the will with firmness and constancy to the truths revealed by god and keeps to the divine motives of faith whatever sufferings the soul may have to endure for the sake of her faith whilst this same patience of faith refuses the will to error and to whatever may tempt the soul to relax her hold of faith the patience of hope holds fast by the will with unswerving confidence to the goodness mercy and promises of god and refuses to let the will be moved into despondency or sadness or to whatever may tempt the soul to lessen her confidence in god the patience of charity adheres by the will habitually to god with love and gratitude and that notwithstanding every kind of obscuration trial or loss of sensible devotion and refuses to yield up the will to whatever might weaken diminish or contradict the love of god so it is in every other virtue patience holds the will with constancy to the good upon which it is engaged and withholds the same will from those provocations or temptations that would weaken or destroy the virtue in its act by putting evil or falsehood in its place hence you will find that the first movement towards evil is always a disturbing movement of impatience it is therefore laid down as a principle as well by the pagan philosophers as by the christian moralists each taking their own view of it that patience is the virtue of the virtues that is to say it is the force that gives them their vigour endurance and solidity st gregory calls it the root and guardian of the virtues it is the root as supplying them with strength and consistency it is the guardian as protecting them from perturbation and evil as the tree obtains its strength from being rooted in the ground the soul which is the tree of virtue 
obtains her strength from patiently adhering to god as a fortress girds round its inhabitants and defends them from the assaults and alarms of their enemies so patience defends the virtues from the temptations and alarms that assail them hence st zeno observes that the worth of patience is not so much in the multiplying as in the perfecting of the virtues when st paul speaks of the faithful who are rooted and grounded in charity ephesians chapter three verse seventeen he evidently refers to that charity which is firm and constant by reason of its patience taking this profound view of christian patience st augustine defines it in these terms patience is the enduring of evils with an equable mind lest through an evil disposition we should give up that good which brings us to our greatest good the good we have already as devout christians is the sense of god the light of faith the grace of christ the friendship of god through communication of his holy spirit and peace of heart through the absence of grievous sin this good already in the soul brings us through the exercise of charity to our supreme good but through impatience vexation of spirit and sadness patience glides away and the good we have is disturbed scattered abroad and diminished and what is worse if we enter into an evil disposition patience is relaxed more and more and as impatience and sadness take its place the habits of grace and virtue are weakened and lowered the light of the soul becomes obscured and if we altogether lose the patience of charity that divine gift itself becomes extinguished together with our supernatural life in st paul's magnificent description of charity the object of the apostle is to show that whilst it is inseparable from faith it is perfected by unselfishness and patience weigh the qualities one by one which the apostle ascribes to this most excellent of virtues and you will find that this is the sum of their sense charity he says is patient is kind charity envieth not dealeth not perversely is not puffed up is not ambitious seeketh not her own is not provoked to anger thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth with the truth beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things one corinthians chapter thirteen verses four through seven from the nature of charity it must have these qualities without faith it could not be grounded in supernatural truth without unselfishness it could not be generous without patience it could not endure nor could it repulse its enemies in the words of st cyprian if you take patience away from charity it languishes in desolation and cannot endure if you consider the human soul as a spiritual coin that bears the image and superscription of god faith is the mould that gives it a divine figure and charity is its golden quality humility gives it gravity 
discretion flexibility and patience durability when that soul is tried in the fire of tribulation and its charity put to the test by reproaches and calumny then will the degree of her patience show how far the virtue of that soul bears the character of durability for as it is said in the proverb he that is impatient suffers damage proverbs chapter nineteen verse nineteen and again the learning of a man is known by patience and his glory is to pass over wrongs proverbs chapter nineteen verse eleven but as the vice of obstinacy makes pretensions to the virtue of patience although it is but the stupidity of pride true patience must also stand the test of humility for there may be a proud endurance of contumely that is nothing better than folly just as the worm of pride may be concealed in the apparent humility of sackcloth after this general exposition of the work of patience in the soul what shall we say in conclusion as a divine attribute of god patience is infinite and eternal in his divine benignity he exhibits that patience towards us in bearing with our offences and ingratitude and in waiting for our repentance and return to his love as he has made us to his image that we may be formed to his likeness he sends us the grace of patience through the gift of charity that through its faithful exercise we may imitate his patience this virtue is the tonic medicine of our enfeebled nature it fortifies the will soothes down the irritabilities that derange the soul braces the powers into unity and gives stability to all the virtues it secures the mind from dissipation the will from perturbation and enables us to preserve our self-possession it is the pith and marrow of charity strengthening the love of god in the children of light that it may persevere under every cloud of tribulation and adversity as the rock resists the surging waves patience resists the surges of temptation and scatters them into empty foam in the day of weakness and suffering it upholds the spirit above them in the serene atmosphere of cheerfulness and will not suffer her to sink into the wasting disease of sadness in a word and that word shall be st cyprian's patience is not only the keeper of good but the preventer of evil repelling whatever is adverse to good obedient to the holy spirit it adheres to celestial and divine things and standing in opposition to those solicitations of the body that assault and capture the soul it contends for the virtues as from a fortress of strength o patience exclaimed st zeno thou art the queen of all things and i know that thou restest more safely on thy own foundations on thy own counsels and on thy own good ways than in the words of those who are strangers to thee thy praise is not in multiplying but in strengthening the virtues thou givest to virginity the flower that never fades thou art the safe harbour of widowhood from the storms of life 
thou art the strength of the yoke of married life enabling its burden to be borne with the forbearance of an equal love thou teachest friendship how to will and to forbear the same things thou givest freedom to the rugged labourer and art the consoler of his toils to poverty thou givest the privilege of bearing all things that so it may possess all things the prophets were raised to their sublime office by patience the apostles adhered to christ through patience thou art the nursing mother of the martyrs and their crown as the knot binds the flowing tresses on the head of the modest maiden thou bindest the virtues into unity with beauty and honour happy eternally happy is he who hath thee always in his company